Next, the golden days of radio. Hi, this is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring comedians Buddy Hackett, Don Adams, Carl Reiner, and Sid Caesar. The Golden Days of Radio is probably the most recorded show in radio history. I receive letters from all over the world asking me to play certain bits so it can be recorded and sent back home to the folks. As a matter of fact, some people make a business of recording the program and trading it to collectors everywhere. Well, I can only say thank you for the compliment. Which brings me to this point. I hope you have your tape recorders running tonight because you're going to hear three different sequences that are truly classics. First of all, here, from 1953, is one of the early appearances of comedian Buddy Hackett. I do an impersonation of a Chinese waiter, a fella in a Chinese restaurant who takes... Who, who takes an order from six people for a family dinner in a kind of a Chinese restaurant that specializes in a family dinner, you know? You get a choice of soup, then you get a choice of spare ribs or egg rolls for an appetizer, Three main dishes, two from a cheap column, one from an expensive column, tea, rice, and dessert, and you walk out loaded, and then everything shifts and you're hungry again. <laughs> I played a part of that's how they cook subgum air. Very strange. And I played a part of this waiter, and I hope that you laugh, because I hate to go blind for nothing. Right? <laughs> Other man. And say, uh, how you do? I said, what do you want to have? Well, we got the, we want to have, uh, now we'll start with the soup. We got the wonton soup, we got the chicken egg drop, tomato rice. What kind of soup you want? You want a wonton, a one wonton, a one egg drop, it's a one more egg drop, a two egg drop, one wonton. You change your mind? Yeah. I do want to have the wonton too, the three wonton, no egg drop. No, you want an egg drop. Now, you want a wonton. Is one wonton or two egg drop? It's the same thing. Why you mix me up, you stupid idiot? First, they say the wonton, then they say egg drop. Just order one soup at a time now. Let's see. Start over. You want a wonton. A one wonton, one egg drop. One more egg drop, two egg drop, one wonton. No, no split pea soup. No, we don't have a split pea. We don't have We don't make it here. Yeah, we could make it, but we don't make it. No, we don't write the smell, so we don't make it. No, your brother did not have any split pea here yesterday. No, your brother could not have a because... No, your brother did... Your brother's a big liar, you know that? Yeah, you too. I said, we don't... Even we have it, we don't have it, all right? You want a wonton? A two wonton now, two H-up. One more H-up, one more H-up. Now, this is four H-up, two wonton, a tomato rice. It's one tomato rice, two wonton, a four H-up. <laughs> It's seven soups, six people. Who ordered two soups? Well, somebody ordered two soups. Hey there, fat lady, you ordered two soups? Were you sitting on somebody, then? Stand up, let me see the chair. No, two chairs, no people. All right, now look. Start over, just say one soup. Now, what soup you want? Wonton, one wonton. 
I was some other turn around and say, Ekja, why say Ekja? <laughs> no, don't order for her, let her order her. He, he, him, him, her, 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 and you, you, all right? <laughs> now, what soup you want? One soup. One time, yeah, just shut your fat mouth. Now. <laughs> one more. One Ekja. One more Ekja. Okay, there, Sprit P, what do you want? <laughs> you want a wonton, two wonton, two Ekjop, one tomato. There's only five soup. Who do you want a soup now? <laughs> First say seven soup, now five soup. Six is your point. <laughs> All right, coming out for new soup now. Bet the soup in the back room. Make the soup the hard way, two bowls. Look. <laughs> Forget you ever saw me before, all right? Gonna start all over. Don't even have a napkin no more. Start over. I'm gonna come out. I'm gonna say how you do. I'm gonna be new waiter. I'm gonna mention the soup. You hear the soup you want, you raise your hand, all right? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Why you raise your hand? I didn't name a soup yet. <laughs> well, you don't have to ask me. Go ahead. Now, look. We're gonna have now... You got three tomato soup. Two wonton, one egg drop. Yeah, soup finished. All right, now you had a choice, the spare lip or the egg low. No, no spare lip and egg low, spare lip or egg low. Yeah, you can have both for 75 and extra. I don't care who sent you, you stupid round eye area. <laughs> now, funny, they all American look alike. Now, look. <laughs> now, you, you want both 75 and extra? Big sport. I knew you was a sport when I saw the brown suede suit and the carnation. Now, look. Now you get three main dishes. Two from Carom A, one from Carom B. Egg for young, shrimp lobster sauce, lobster Cantonese. You have made a splendid direction. Except it's two from B, one from A. I say take two for A, one from B. Egg for young, fly lice, fly lie. Uh, pray tell, what's a fly lice? What's that? You know, what do you say, fly lice? You mean a fry rice? <laughs> What's the one that can't speak English? What's the one that can't say fry rice? Say fry rice. <laughs> say how oh, now, brown cow, your jackass talk. Fry rice, flip lobster sauce, smell it, and it low 75 and extra. Sweet tomato soup, two water, one egg. Yeah, ready. Right, Tear rice come free. Oh, that's a nice brown. Look at that beautiful brown. Son of a gun, yeah, you're all right, sir. Just a minute now, I keep the order in the kitchen. No, Thomas, no, I'm going to say no. He come outside, you see the bronze woman built like the brick wall of China. So sorry, the kitchen is closed. It took too long to order. Don Adams is a superstar now on his show, Get Smart. In the early 50s, he was virtually unknown, and he was working as a stand-up comedian in supper clubs in the East. In one of his coast-to-coast programs, he performed a routine which to this day stands as a classic. Good evening. It's uh, my pleasure to spend the next few minutes with you, and I hope you'll forgive me if I seem a little nervous and upset tonight, but I've had a rather harrowing day. As a matter of fact, actually, it started yesterday morning when certain members of the Department of Sanitation saw fit to tow away my car. <laughs> and in its place, they left me a ticket 
for $825. This may seem rather high to you, but I'm a second offender. Anyway, I went down to the courthouse yesterday to pay this ticket, and while I was there, I dropped into one of the courtrooms to watch a trial that was going on. It was a murder trial, and it was very interesting because I saw one of the greatest defense attorneys I've ever seen in my life in action. And I made a very close study of him, and I'd like to give you my impression of the way he carried on. <clears throat> Your Honor, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, for the past 20 minutes, I have sat idly by while my worthy opponent, the prosecuting attorney, has stood up here and made a complete idiot of himself. <laughs> now it's my turn. <laughs> now the case here is very simple. The defendant, Mrs. Irving Glick, murdered her husband. Yes, but that's not the important thing. It's important to Mr. Glick. The important thing here is that she had a reason. You see, she loved him. And each man kills the thing he loves. Everybody knows that. Some do it with a kiss, others with a look, some with a word. She did it with six slugs from a 45 automatic. <laughs> For this, she has been subjected to the threats of this court. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, she should have been given a medal. <laughs> Those six shots were right between the eyes. <laughs> that sharpshooter's medal in my book. Yes, the prosecuting attorney has stood up here and called her a liar, a cheat, a thief, a blackmailer, and a homicidal maniac. Well, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, None of us are perfect. <laughs> now I ask you to look at her sitting there. I want you to pay particular attention to her legs. Notice the dimpled knee, the well-turned calf, the slim ankle. Now I ask you, are those the legs of a homicidal maniac? <laughs> of course not. Do you have any idea of what this woman has been through since this trial began? beaten and battered on all sides by questions until now she sits there on the edge of her seat hanging on your every word, your every look for salvation her nerves like a taut spring ready to snap <laughs> Bailiff, will you wake up the defendant, Mrs. <laughs> sit her up in her seat there <laughs> yes, it's easy for the prosecuting attorney to stand up here and accuse this poor woman of all these horrible crimes it's easy for him He's got proof. <laughs> well, what about me? I've got nothing but trickery and deceit. Okay, let's see how far we can get with that. Your Honor, I should like to call to the stand. Your Honor. <laughs> Bailiff, will you wake the judge up? Sit him up in his seat there. Good morning, Your Honor. I should like to call to the stand the prosecution's star witness, Harry Starr. Take the stand. <laughs> now, Mr. Starr, did you or did you not state with malice aforethought that it was Bikini and not Biloxi who was at Patassi's place that night? And did you not also infer that Zaffmary could not possibly have been in Chicago with the Benny Dunn gang on the night when Freebish was seen leaving Hoffnagel's apartment? <laughs> and did you not also infer 
that it wasn't until then that you found the porn ticket in Vandergrift's overcoat. Yet you say Alice Gratz knew because she was afraid of McNamara. <laughs> and on the basis of this, you would have this court and this jury believe that Glock was in the tannery that night with Finks Cocker Spaniel. <laughs> well, Your Honor, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I have here in my hand the 1953 Old Farmer's Almanac, which states conclusively and clearly and concisely and without a shadow of a doubt that on the night in question, there was no moon. <laughs> and if there was no moon, Mr. Starr, then can you kindly tell this court how you could have seen Mrs. Glick when she pumped those six slugs into her husband's skull? You were inside, and all the lights were on. <laughs> Get him off the stand. He disgusts me. <laughs> now, I'd like to call to the stand the defendant, Mrs. Irving Glick. Mrs. Glick, will you... What's that? Yes, we'll wake her up and get her up on the stand. <laughs> now, Mrs. Glick, will you kindly tell this court what you were doing on the night of January the 19th? Automobile riding in Lover's Lane. And what were you doing last night? Automobile riding in Lover's Lane. <laughs> what are you doing tonight? <laughs> Sorry, Your Honor, I didn't know you would ask first. <laughs> I should now like to sum up briefly. After hearing all the evidence in this case, in all justice, there is only one possible verdict that you can bring back. However, I'm hoping you'll forget about justice <laughs> and give my client a break. Give her a chance to walk in the sun once more with the wind and the rain in her hair, to live again, to laugh again, to dream. Bailiff, <laughs> will you please wake the jury up? <laughs> Bailiff! The defense rests. Might as well, everyone else is. <laughs> Sid Caesar was one of the first comedians to capture the television audience. He first appeared on Max Liebman's show of shows with Imogene Coca and eventually pleased the people with his weekly program, Caesar's Hour. In this sequence from 1954, Carl Reiner plays the interviewer and Sid Caesar plays the part of a famous German professor. Presenting Live and Be Well, a show that explores new frontiers in medicine. Now, here is your host for Live and Be Well, the eminent health authority, Mr. Conrad Phillips. Thank you, and welcome to Live and Be Well. Because of the recent wave of interest in longevity that has been set off by the discovery of a man 167 years old, our program tonight deals with the study of geriatrics, which is the study of long life. And we are fortunate tonight in having one of the world's foremost authorities in this study of longevity, whose new book on the subject of how to live longer has just been published. It's entitled, Try Not to Die. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let us welcome Professor Wolfgang von Forever. Good evening, Professor. Good evening, and may I say that I'm very glad to be here and see you and meet you wherever you are, and they brought me here. I'm very yes. honored to have you here, Professor. And I want you to have a uh, my book, a free copy of my book, Try Not to Die. 
That is very... Me to you for free. Very gracious of you. Thank you. Fine. Sir. That'll be two dollars. <laughs> of course, you said it was free. Just to cover the mailing cost. That's oh, all. I see. Yeah. But you didn't mail it to me, Professor. That's all right. Never mind. I, I got to pay coffee. It's a public service show. Well, sit down, Professor. I got stuck. I was traveling. Now, yes. Professor... What is it you want to know? Professor... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Professor, now, in, in your first chapter, you stated that due to the fact that there are so many developments in longevity, people are living much longer than they did years, years ago. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> people are now can expect to live, well, who knows? I mean, today, a, a, a man can expect to live to anywhere between 75 and 80 or 85. That is the average man today. A hundred years ago, uh, it was, if a man lived to about 50 years old, that was... I considered that that was all right. And uh, but, uh, in the Middle Ages, in the Middle Ages, if a man lived to 35, 40 years old, uh, that was considered something, you know. How about the cavemen in the Stone Age? How long did they live? The cavemen in the Stone Age, well, if a caveman, if a caveman lived an hour and a half, <laughs> it was considered a full life. That was it. <laughs> they must have lived longer oh, than now. No, they were living a very dangerous time. They were, you know how they used to fight oh, and yes. everything. They used to go up on top of a mountain. They used to take these big sticks and they used to roll these rocks down the mountain on themselves. It must have been a terrible age to live through. Oh, it was, and it wasn't called its own age. It was called the rock and roll age. <laughs> Roll the rock down, and that was the rock and roll age. Professor, you, I understand, can guess a person's age almost, almost to the day, Professor. Oh, that's a person's age. That's easy. That's I could test me not only the age, but I tell him the birthday. The day they were born. The day they were born, I tell him the birthday. That's it, not only the age. Could you demonstrate? I could tell you. Sure, I'd like to see. I tell you. But tell you how old you are. Yes, you have just a second here. There, where'd you buy this pie? Around the corner. You will be, um, 31, November the 4th. That's wrong, Professor. 62, October 4th. <laughs> 23 is November the 7th. No, that's all wrong, Professor. 82, 28th of November. No, Professor, that's 26, wrong. 26, 100... No, not at all, Professor. You'll be 75 in January. That's my last offer. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Professor... Uh, you're wrong, but I would like... Washington's birthday, you'll be a hundred, all right? <laughs> Professor, you're all off. Professor, I'd like to discuss with you the recent discovery of a man 167 years old. How do you feel about that particular discovery? Isn't that amazing, a man could live that long? 167 years old. <laughs> He's a teenager. <laughs> He's a Bobby Soxer kid. Well, why, Professor? Well, 167, that's nothing. He's a kid. I discovered a man is 210 years old. There's what you call something, boy. Professor, <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. Yes, it's 210 it's years old. And what is the secret? <coughs> what is the secret of his long oh, life? The secret of his life was there. It was amazing. It was the simplest thing. Simple. Well, could we learn that secret? Oh, yes. Well, I would tell... Uh, is that something that's looking enough that the people could see us? That's a camera, yes. I will tell everybody the secret. This man's secret of living to the age of 210 years old, and the secret was this. At the age of 175, you cut out spicy foods. <laughs> <laughs> and you glide right into 200. Well, that seems a little... 175, cut out spicy foods. And this old. man lived to be... He would be alive today. 
What happened? He went out with a girl, you know, and that's it. He went out with a girl, Professor? Yes, he went out with a girlfriend, like a 120-year-old girl she was doing. Went out dancing, you know. They went to Coney Island, and he lost his head. He was trying to show off, so he had a pizza pie, and he had a hot dog with mustard, and he had the sauerkraut, and they went on a roller coaster, you know, and uh, he died. <laughs> he fell out of the roller coaster. <laughs> That's it, when you're 175, stay away from women, and that's all. I think you have no point there, Professor. Professor, you are an expert on all living things. Now, in Mother Nature's kingdom, what living thing lives the longest? What living thing lives the longest? That's an easy question. In Mother Nature has given the longest life to the tree. The tree? A tree lives the longest. Why do you feel the tree lives longer than anything else? Because the tree has nice posture. <laughs> A tree stands up nice and straight. A tree never gets married. There's 20, 30 years right there. <laughs> and also, our tree doesn't eat spicy foods. It just eats a little earth with water. And they grow, and they grow, like the thick warriors. And the redwood trees, they go on living generation after generation after generation. May I say, Professor, you put that beautifully. Well, that's me. <laughs> I always mix a little schmaltz with science. <laughs> a man like you getting on in years will possibly yes. be able to answer this question better than anybody but else. We feel that elderly men like yourself find it easier to answer this particular question. What was that perpendicular remark? Well, I say that elderly men like Don't yourself... Don't get me elderly. Are what is that el how, old you how old do you think I am anyway? Well, Professor, I would say offhand you're about 55 or 56. 55? <laughs> the man of a shoe. Count me up again. Well, I'd say maybe 60. I'm 21. <laughs> 21 years old, I'm gonna vote, that's it. I'm 21 years well, old. Well, I don't believe that, Professor, you don't. You wanna see some, punch me right here in the solar plexus. No, I wouldn't wanna do that, Professor. <coughs> Go ahead, punch me right here in the well, solar plexus. Well, I may hurt you. Don't worry about hiding me. All right, Professor, well, Go ahead. brace yourself. Oh, you might, don't worry about me bracing All myself. Right. Give a good punch. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is amazing. I actually hurt my hand, and he didn't even wince. Professor, did that hurt at all? I'm all right. Just call my immediate family and buy me a bottle of oxygen. Yes. Get me out of here. Yes, oh, ladies and gentlemen, that's I'll all for tonight. For two dollars. Until like next week, live and be well. Uh, will you take them off, please? Well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. I hope you've enjoyed the past half hour. For the one of a shoe, the horse was lost. For the one of a horse, the rider was lost. For one of a rider, the kingdom was lost. If you think your job in the armed forces is a small one, think again. You're on a big team, and a lot of people are counting on you. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you back next time for more great moments from radio programs of the past. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.